Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. This is me. I think it's apparent that I need to rethink my life a little bit. What's my problem? First of all, I'm a rat, which means life is hard. Second, I have a highly developed sense of taste and smell. Good evening and welcome back to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Ratatouille. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from my basement, my name is Don. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John. Bonjour, mi amor. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Hello there. How you guys doing? Doing okay? Doing well. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're talking about Ratatouille. Uh, This is a film that we pulled out of the helmet in our genre phase that we're going through. This is our food film, and it was selected or it was put into the helmet by our very own professor. Uh, Can you tell us why you put it in the helmet? A couple of reasons. One, I had an itching to watch this movie. Another reason is because I really enjoy how specific the movie is about talking about the different nuances of enjoying food. It is very descriptive in several different places about how enjoyable food and eating is. And it is something that isn't normally discussed in movies. In general, food and eating are not a central part of storylines. Yeah. So I just thought it would just, it was a, a fun little delve into a storyline that isn't represented very often. Right on, right on. So food film was one of our genres, uh, along with Western action, buddy film, road film, and period piece. Released on June 29th, 2007, Ratatouille uh, was made for $150 million and took in $621 million. Also won the Academy Award for Best Animated Film, which Pixar has probably the best streak of any studio, I would think. They know what they're doing. Yeah, they do. They do. Uh, So Ratatouille, what came before Ratatouille? Do you remember? Cars? Cars. Was it Cars? Probably. I loved Cars. 2006 sounds about right. Yeah. You're awfully quiet over there, John. Do you do you not follow the Pixar? No, I follow Pixar. Okay. All right. Just making sure. Don't you remember the wedding? Well, that's what I was kind of thinking, unless it's all about Up, right? Well, Up was an amazing movie. I'm not saying it's not an amazing movie, but it's a... Absolutely it is. Talk about kicking you in the fucking balls in the first 30 seconds of that film. Yeah, it's probably one of the saddest ones. Uh, in the bo- beginning well yeah borderline the saddest yeah i mean because the, with the music cues and just the way they tell the story in that one i enjoyed up this is what makes pixar a cut above everybody else in their storytelling prowessness they are so effective in conveying their stories in such a particular way that they they, they know how to hit it out of the park yeah though they also put in so much detail in every single movie, like every strand of hair, every coffee ring on a table, you know, just so much detail, so much realism. Yeah. That you almost forget that it's an animated film. What's your favorite Pixar movie? Oh, are we going to play this game? Yeah, let's just go for it. We'll just shoot from the hip. I can't think of my favorite, but definitely uh, top three. Yeah. Maybe even top two is Toy Story. The first one. Excellent. Excellent. You? Well, because, oh, no, well duh, since no, I had no, a no, up-themed no. wedding, probably have to say up. Ah, you said you have to say. Is that really your favorite Pixar? So an, yes, it so is. So it's an obligation. Kind of hangs like an animal Yeah, you've, you've already tainted it. So whether it is or is not your favorite film, you, you had to say it. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you, John. Uh, up, really? Solid choice. Solid choice. Uh, I don't know what I would say mine is. Uh, top two easily. Uh 
probably the Incredibles. See, sure. Yeah, that, that's a serious contender. Yeah. Another Brad Bird movie. Yeah. And I do firmly believe that Toy Story is one of the only, if not the only, film series for each film to progressively get better. Gosh, so true. See, so true. Yeah, see, I enjoyed Toy Story 4 more than I enjoyed Toy Story. But it's because of Toy Story 2 and 3, I could enjoy for that much more yeah you know what i mean yeah so and 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 the arc of the expectation that you are on when you see it for the first time wow this is good and then you see toy story 2 and you know it's going to be good because it's pixar again oh it's yeah and then the expectation isn't quite as much but still there is expectation and then once you get to toy story 4 you know it's going to be awesome because one, two, and three were fantastic. Well, see, I uh, I would say that for me, going into Toy Story four, I thought nothing, nothing would ever beat Toy Story three, nothing. And then four came out and it beat it. So my, you know, Pixar, Pixar's pretty great. Do we they know do what? Pretty well. Do we know what Pixar's working on now? They got a bunch of irons in the fire. They always do. Yeah, the last thing they released was Soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have uh, have you had you seen Ratatouille? I had seen it at least once before. How long ago do you think? Gosh, I'd say five, six years ago. Yeah, and you say you'd you've been having you had been having an itch to watch it. How yeah. when was the last time you watched it prior to? It's probably been like two years. Yeah. What about you? Uh, well, luckily for me, Elise likes to watch it every now and again. So I think the last time I watched it was probably Christmas time, maybe. Who's your favorite character? In Ratatouille? Yeah. Probably uh, Remy, the rat. Yeah. Our I, protagonist. I don't know if I could pick one. What about you, John? I'm a big fit, Patton Oswald fan, so I'd go with Remy as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Patton Oswald's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I probably had a different viewing experience this time around than both of you. Uh, please. Uh, our neighbor across the street decided to clear oh. a field <laughs> that had just been overgrown with vegetation. This has led to a rat invasion of our entire neighborhood. <laughs> so every night at my house, we go to bed to hearing chewing like underneath our house. We've had rat exterminators over numbers of time i tried to catch them humanely they're being jerks about it they will not go into any of the humane traps i set. so now we've gone to the exterminators they are so smart they avoid any poison and any traps we did get them locked in the basement now so we're just kind of waiting them out and then we have cameras outside that shows the ones outside trying to still get in but they can't get in the ones inside can't get out my wife absolutely hates them so the whole time we watched ratatouille she's just yelling fucking die die rats die well and and that's understandable and when they got to the scene of the rats all going in the water and going through the sewer Mm -hmm. she looked over at me she goes they all drowned movie over happy ending yeah well i guess that's one way of looking at it (laughs) so so you don't want to ask any of the rats if they understand you I kept saying to her the whole time, I'm like, aren't they cute? Don't you feel sorry for them? Don't, don't you now want to cap- capture them humanely? And she goes, no, they invaded my house. They're costing me money. They must die. Well, yeah, well, give it up to Pixar to make a rat fun. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Incredibles. Hey, Don, who else is in this movie? Ian Holm, Lou Romano, Janine Garofalo, Brad Garrett, Peter O'Toole, Brian Dennehy, and Peter Sohan and Will Arnett. This movie was directed by Brad Bird and screenplay by Brad Bird based on the story by Jan Pinkava. Pinkava? Uh, Pinkava, I'm sure. Pinkava. Sorry, Jan, if you're listening. Uh, Jim Capobianco. I'm going to say I nailed that. And Brad Bird himself. I believe I read somewhere that that, that Jan Pinkava who originally, like she wrote the original story, mm-hmm. uh, left the project because she was upset with the way they were changing the story. We wouldn't be the first time that Disney slash Pixar, or any company for that matter, did something like that. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. That's too bad. Disney thought that the uh, storyline was coming along too slowly, and so Pixar decided 
Brad Bird, fresh off of The Incredibles, should take a stab at it. And so Brad Bird made some rather bold suggestions to the to the script that she did not agree with, and eventually she left the company. Yeah. I thought it was because in the original story, all the rats die and everybody's happy at the end. No, that's only in Julie's oh, happy that's ending. Right. That's right. That, that's Julie's happy ending. Yeah. Remy is a young rat with an unusual acute sense of taste and smell who dreams of becoming a chef like his idol, the late Gusto. However, the rest of his colony, including his brother and his father, the clan leader, are interested in food only for sustenance. One day, while scavenging the house of an elderly woman for ingredients, Remy accidentally reveals his clan to the woman. The rats are forced to flee, and Remy is separated from the others. He winds up in the sewers and, encouraged by an imaginary Gusto, eventually finds himself above the kitchen of Gusto's restaurant in Paris. So this is our second movie that we have watched that has had Brian Dennehy in it. Oh, yeah. Look who plays that. Remy's father. And he was uh, Tommy Boy's father, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we open up with Remy in the old lady's kitchen. Uh, I thought that, you know, when she, when he's searching around or he, or he goes outside and he finds the mushroom and he says, you know, it would go great with this. Cause he's talking to his brother who kind of reminded me as a Chris Farley esque type of character. Mm-hmm. For some reason I could have totally seen Chris Farley playing, uh, the brother. I don't know why it just popped in my head. Maybe cause we just watched Tommy boy. Uh, they find the mushroom and he find, uh, the brother has some cheese and I love how they go up. He, Remy figures out he wants to cook it because he's a special kind of rat and he, they go up to the roof of the old lady's cottage and they start slow roasting it over her chimney. That's pretty smart for a rat. They get hit by lightning. It fuses it together and he starts saying, Oh, you know, what would we go great with this saffron. How does this rat know what saffron tastes like? I don't know. Well, he's been visiting that kitchen a lot because he's been reading the books and watching the and he can videos. read. Yeah. The rat can fucking read. That's pretty He's impressive. Evolving. Yeah. Well, have you ever heard of the Pixar theory? Yeah. That's a different discussion for a different time. So he's searching around for saffron to make this uh, mushroom slash cheese combination fantastic. And the old lady wakes up and she starts, she sees him. So instead of getting a fucking broom, she grabs a fucking shotgun and it proceeds to destroy her kitchen well, and her house. My, regarding physics, how does when you when you have an umbrella stuck into the front of your shotgun and you pull the trigger, how does it open the umbrella? Did she press the trigger and it opened the umbrella? She pointed the gun, she pulled the trigger, and the umbrella opened up. I thought she grabbed the umbrella first, thinking it was the shotgun. Well, the, the, the umbrella is definitely in the shotgun because I, I remember umbrella. her... And I just watched it yesterday. This is horrible. And I remember her taking it out of the shotgun, but I don't remember it opening, but it very well could have. Yeah, it, it did. did open first. Oh, did it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we'll say what? Because that's how it's written. The second question is, is how many shots does she fire with that shotgun before she has to reload? I don't know. Something like six or seven shots. And then she reloads and only gets a couple shots off. Yeah, well, the rats she, are getting out of there. She was impatient. She was eager to be firing that as quickly as possible i'm not familiar with shotguns don't they only have like two shots or one shot and then you have to reload them no no that would no that would be a double barrel shotgun okay yeah um i think a standard shotgun holds like eight to ten shells yeah that sounds about right uh for any of you gun enthusiasts out there we don't we don't know let (laughs) us know in the comments um so yeah and so the all the rats come down and they have to flee and they get, this is, uh, <laughs> Remy goes back to save the book that right. he can read. And he gets separated from his clan and they kind of wash away. I, I love the uh, the look that we get to see several times throughout the movie when it's the look of shock of the collective group of all of the rats staring at the humans. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I love that moment. At that point in the movie, when all the rats started coming through the roof down to the ground, I pointed, to, or I looked over at Julie and I said, that's what's going on in your basement. <laughs> I poked the tiger. Well, you, the tiger. You throw the gasoline all over the fucking fire. Oh, yeah. Why? Why do you do it? You know, sometimes it's just fun. Uh, most of the time it's sometimes, just fun. Sometimes, you know, some people like to start fires. Some people like to watch the world burn. Well played, John. 
mm-hmm. well played. So yeah, they get separated, and then uh, Remy starts talking to uh, Gust- the ghost of Gusto, is which is figment exposed, of his imagination. But it turns out to be the figment, and he even call he even says it. He goes, "I'm a figment of your imagination. You tell me why I'm here." You know, which I thought was kind of funny. So basically, he's just talking to himself this whole time, and uh, he figures out that once he gets out of the sewer and he goes up uh, street side, he is in Paris and he is in heaven because Paris, that's where they have all the good food. And he's just also happens to be right outside of Gusto's restaurant. Talk about fucking convenient. So my question is when they were in the sewer and the rat packs ahead of him and they all go down one tube or whatever, they must've all gone down the same tube. They must've all gone to the left Instead of going to the right, because if the pack had gone to the right and Remy went to the left, they would have ended up in two different parts of France, not all in the same area right next door to each other. Weird. What, now you're a civil engineer? Well, think about it. I mean, the two pipes wouldn't have gone to the same place. What, now you're a civil engineer? <laughs> Wait, why do I want to think about that? <laughs> I don't know. What I kept thinking about was this book is floating in a sewer. As it's going through the whole, you know, through that whole pipe. Yep. What's in sewers? Well, he, it's a rat, first of all. So, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. That book gross. got pretty but what, nasty. But what I wanted, well, no, it didn't, because when he opened it up, it was dry, and he could flip the pages. The pages looked a little more brown to me, though. No, I don't think. I think it came out just fine, which the prob- which was a problem I had. How does that book not get soaked? Yeah. Right? And then... He has to peel the pages, but no, it's, I mean, ultimately it's a kid's movie, right? It's geared toward kids. Written that way. Yeah. uh, Little nods here and there to us parents and us adults. So, you know, it is what it is and you just kind of have to go with it. Because at this point in the movie, we've already accepted that rats can talk, rats walk upright, and rats can cook. And read. Oh, thank you. And read. So here we are. And they could understand French and translate it to English. Yeah, and none of them have a French accent? None of the rest. Well, they didn't know they were in France, so of course they wouldn't have a French accent. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. We'll, we'll go with that. Good job. I really enjoyed the camera shot of Remy when he gets his first glimpse of Paris as the camera works its way up the roof line and then it crests over the top and then we get to see the city of Paris with its glowing lights and the Eiffel Tower off in the distance. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I can appreciate that uh, for a long, uh, because for a long time, animation was like one of the only ways that you could get exactly the camera shot you wanted without any limitations because it's all in the computer, right? You go back and you look at some of the uh, older films and the shots that they got uh, are pretty amazing, but they've had to build cranes. They had to build dollies. They had to build something physical in order to get the shot that they wanted. But with animation, the possibilities are endless. And even today they're endless. So, uh, I saw something last night. Well, uh, like the extras and they, sh- they shot this film or drew this film to be shot. Like the cameraman was a rat. So it was from their perspective. That's you one know? thing that this movie is amazing at is using the rat perspective, especially running through the walls, yes. running through the kitchen, yes. going through the sewers. Agreed. All of the viewpoint shots are so frantic and such, you know, you feel like you're looking through the rat's eyes. I love, too, the way they make, um, you know, the rat's views of the humans, especially when they're seeing, you know, there's danger going on. Yeah. And just how dangerous they are to them. It did a good job, too, of making us sympathize with remy who is a rat and i have to say the first time i saw the movie it was how am i supposed to sympathize with a rat i mean they're rodents and and they're vermin and they're disgusting yet i'm going to be behind this character and i let pixar say okay you can show me and and i think it kind of comes down to at least for me if they try to make this practically or kind of like uh what disney did with the lion king make it live action if they try to make this live action i think you would lose a lot of its charm and a lot of its magic because you could make a cgi rat but if you made a cgi rat that looked like remy he would be almost be too clean you know what i mean the thought of a real rat running around on screen doesn't really appeal to anybody so i think the only way this film works is as animated and the fact that we do sympathize with Remy and that 
and we were rooting for him and we want him to be a cook. And when he fucks up, we're like, no dude, you know? And so Pixar and the writing is pretty good. Mm -hmm. How would you feel about having a rat on your head? Can you imagine a rat on your head? Pulling my hair, controlling my movements. Yeah. I actually had two rats as pets in college. Because? Because of a girlfriend. But we named them Twitter and Pate. Of course. After Bambi. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're, if you get them young, they are very easy to train. They're actually cleaner than you think. Um, and they're extremely friendly. Like, you know, once you raise them, they're very easy to take care of. But, you know. Did you tell Julie that? Yeah, she and, knows. And, well, no, I mean. That they're easy to train yeah, and take care of. To, she went, oh, hell no. Yeah, well, that you know, happens. You know, there's, there's an untapped possibility here with all those rats in the basement i mean look what remy got all of his siblings to do at the end of the movie i keep telling her that they could cook us dinner she's been wanting you know someone to come in and cook dinner and let's let them loose in the kitchen yeah well according to gusto anyone can cook which he lies that that's actually just opinion it's not fact yeah that's fair when remy notices the restaurant's new garbage boy alfredo linguini attempting to fix a soup he has ruined he jumps in and fixes linguini's mistakes linguini catches remy in the act but does not betray him to skinner gusto's former sous chef and the owner of the restaurant skinner confronts linguini for tampering with the soup but when the soup is accidentally served and proves to be a success colette tattoo the restaurant's only female chef convinces Skinner to retain Linguini so as to uphold Gusto's motto, anyone can cook. However, Skinner demands that Linguini replicate the soup in order to keep his job. Skinner spots Remy trying to escape and orders Linguini to take him outside and kill him. Linguini discovers that Remy can understand him and he convinces Remy to help him cook at Gusto's. The scene of Remy running through the kitchen trying to get out alive when none of the people are seeing him, but he's running. Again, that's going to step back to that perspective that I'm talking about of showing the dangers of the human world to someone Remy's size. Yeah, and what I liked about that scene is every time he got closer to the window, something would take him back and he would have to start all over again. And it it was so fluid and it moved very well. And yeah, it was a fantastic scene. Mm -hmm. Choreographed very well. And this is... uh this is when we get to meet Skinner as well. And uh, I think that Skinner is a delightful character. I really enjoy him a lot. I had no idea that Bilbo Baggins or Ash, the computer, played Skinner. I found that out today. Ian Holm played Skinner, and it didn't sound anything like him. I never pictured mm-hmm. pictured him as that voice. I felt like he wasn't the typical bad guy. He didn't seem as bad as other bad guys in the Pixar movies or the Disney movies. He just kind of had a little Napoleon complex and wanted to keep his control of the restaurant. But at no time did he, he could have fired the Guini at any time. He could have done a hundred different things and he, he just didn't do it. Yeah, he he definitely is the antagonist of this film. Uh, I wouldn't go so far as to call him a villain. You know, I wouldn't put him up there with, you know, the famous Disney villains that are out there. No. But he is definitely uh, the negative force to this story. And uh, he was fine. I I thought it was fine. And he's a little bit racist with those uh, frozen meals. Uh, I did like when uh, Remy was, and this is further down in the movie, but when Remy saw the papers proving that Linguini owned the restaurant, he looked at the cutouts and they all spoke in the dialect of that the Mm-hmm. They were supposed to be. So, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe a little racist now that we say that out loud. Let's touch on the whole idea of anybody can cook. All right, fire away. Now, there's a couple different meanings that they use in this movie. One is anybody can cook. And two, anybody can be a great chef. Uh, like any artist, you know, any anyone can be an artist, but only some can be a great artist. So anybody can cook, but... Only certain people can be a great chef. So that's a great theme throughout the movie. But at the same time, early on in the movie, when Remy is getting to know Laguini out by the river, and I believe that's the line where he t- turns to Remy and says, I can't cook. 
And Remy looks back up at him and, and nods his head no, which he, is saying... He nods in agreement. Yeah, which means, okay, anybody can cook except Laguini. And then throughout the movie, I was waiting for Laguini to prove him wrong and actually cook something to prove that theory right. Anybody can cook. He did not cook one dish on his own throughout the entire movie. He either was being you know, manhandled by Remy or he panicked and wouldn't do anything. So he never proved that anybody can cook throughout the whole movie. I think what Gusteau was trying to say was that anyone can cook with practice. Uh, some people, like you were saying, are naturals, and so they would go on to be your chefs or your successful artists or whatnot. But I didn't think it, he meant it literally. Anyone can cook right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So, But didn't Linguini get a ton of practice watching Remy cook? And being the hands and the eyes and all that? Just because he didn't do something doesn't mean he can't do something. Mm. I think anyone can cook. What did you think, Ken? I thought that he should have been able to cook by the time he had put his own special together so many times, but he couldn't even get that started when they were all yelling at him at the end of the movie. Mm. Just tell us what to do. He goes, I don't know what I did. Because he was was on the, you know, verge of breaking down. Mm Mm-hmm. But that, that's at the end of the movie. We'll get there. Yeah. It just felt like a little bit like an oxymoron that, you know, they make this whole big deal about anyone can cook, but, you know, and a cook, great cook can come from anywhere, except Laguini is just so inefficient and awkward that he is not capable. And maybe that's what they want you to believe. Or, you know, as I was watching it, I didn't even think about it. So mm. that's how much Pixar got me. I thought more. Take along, my money. I thought more along the lines of anyone can cook is um is a metaphor for being confident enough to believe believe in yourself believe in someone else believe in someone else colette she came back because she believed in linguini linguini he believed in himself enough to trust remy mm-hmm. and that is what i think the deeper meaning meaning of anyone can cook is i also feel like it I mean, that's a great point, Professor. I also feel like near the end of the movie, it kind of shifted a bit to don't judge a book by a cover, that a great cook can come from anyone, which is to say, you know, it could be human, could be a rat. You know, anybody could be a good cook. Which anyone can cook. Yeah, except for Laguini. No, he just doesn't want to. He's too afraid. Doesn't mean he can't. Um, I do like the scene where Linguini is fucking up the soup, and then after two ingredients, decides that it he has to throw it up. Yeah, he just put in like a couple of different things. Would have done anything to the soup. Well, he's he put in a bunch of water. That was the first thing he did. He put in a bunch of water, so that changed the composition a leak. somewhat. Yeah. Well, I like how Remy wants to leave, but he can't get out that window because he's seen yeah. what's happened. So he's, he goes back. He goes booking by. His nose slows him down. Throws something and goes running by again, and then he stops. Then he points with his finger you know shaking his finger no 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 it it it, it. yeah and then it goes back it, it's again. coming to him and, yeah did yeah. either of you notice that when linguini dropped the hot pot of soup he picked it up and put it back on the burner with no problems well he's animated he doesn't burn but they all have burn marks on them who does colette if when one scene she lifts her arm out you can see burns on her wrists and later on in the movie which I, again the realism in this movie uh, they show Laguini has burns all over him. Oh, interesting. So they do burn themselves in this movie. Yeah. Well, then, and that's realism because a lot of times in those kitchens, you'll see chefs with lots of burns on them. Well, maybe the adrenaline was pumping so so heavily through him at that moment that he had just spilled the soup and he's going to be thrown out on his keister after starting in the yeah. kitchen, you know, yeah. a half hour before. Yeah. I'm going to stick to he's animated. Would either of you trust a rat? Uh, am I animated and in a pixar movie yeah then yes mm-hmm. you would trust them yeah. mm-hmm. to help you cook and did you buy the whole thing of turning the queenie into a puppet yeah yeah okay yeah uh, again it's an animated movie well i figured it's because the queenie's a ginger <laughs> wow now who's racist <laughs> look at you you can put the hate in the comments below thank you yeah and that's uh the comic book guy by the way people so one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the Colette montage. I really dug watching her uh, showing Ling- Linguini the ropes about being a chef. She was impressive to watch. I really appreciated her character a lot in that. I didn't realize that was Janine Garofalo. 
Me neither. Yeah, I thought she did a fantastic job. All the actors doing French accents did an amazing job that you wouldn't recognize them. John Ratzenberger was largely considered to not be in the movie because he speaks with an accent during the movie. And mm-hmm. Ratzenberger, he felt a little awkward about it because he said he felt like that he was slipping into Italian half the time. He is the maitre d'. Mm-hmm. Did, you, Great role. did you catch uh, where Colette gives, you know, she's giving advice to Laguini that turns out wrong in the end? What, not to follow the recipes? She said, don't cook it like your mama. Don't, don't, this isn't, you know, this isn't about your mama. Don't do things like your mama. And in the end, what impressed Antoine? Anton. That the ratatouille tastes like something his mama would make. Exactly. So I thought that was an interesting kind of turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love that scene uh, when he eats there. Oh, uh, that's we'll, the we'll, best. But we'll get there. The two learn that Remy can guide Linguini's movements like a marionette by pulling on his hair while hiding under his toque. Together, they are able to reproduce the soup and continue cooking regularly at Gusteau's. Colette begins Linguini's training in the kitchen begrudgingly at first, but comes to appreciate someone heeding her professional advice. Remy reunites with his brother Emile and the clan, while his dad tries to convince Remy that it's impossible to change humans' disdainful nature toward rats. Remy affirms that change is nature. Another great theme in this movie is acceptance. You know, no matter what they are, that they all have a purpose and that there's beauty in everything. Agreed. I like how uh, Remy and his dad have their issues and have their differences of an opinion. But, you know, ultimately at the end, his dad has his back. And and that's I think that's a very important part of this film. The dad character was written very well. He has very reasonable, very reasonable sage advice that, you know, that doesn't sound half brained or, or, you know, racist in any way he you know i i really think that that character was written very well in in trying to guide remy in encouraging him to stay with the family and the fear that you should have being against man and really it's against man as a whole right so he doesn't know an individual person like remy does and i think that remy thinks that his dad is wrong because he he knows Linguini. He's been working with Linguini and, you know, Remy believes that they can coexist and he, he turns his dad around on that. And that's a, that's a good message. Interesting thing. It, this, there's a scene where Remy's dad takes him to a store where there's a bunch of dead rats hanging in the window. And a lot of people are saying, why would they even portray something like that in the movie? That store actually exists in Paris. Oh yeah, I'd, my wife Julie had actually visited that store and told me exactly about it. Yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me because Pixar is so detailed focused. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm 100 sure there's a mm-hmm. store like that. Skinner learns through a letter from Linguini's mother that Linguini is Gusto's illegitimate son and rightful owner of the restaurant. When Remy discovers the letter in Skinner's office, Skinner chases Remy around Paris to retrieve it, but Remy gives it to Linguini, who forces Skinner out. The restaurant thrives as Remy's recipe becomes popular. Linguini's life improves and his relationship with Colette develops. Meanwhile, Anton Ego, a food critic whose negative review of the restaurant indirectly led to Gusto's death, learns of its rising success and announces he will dine at the restaurant. After Linguini takes credit for Remy's cooking, he and Remy have a falling out. Pressured by Emile and his own frustration, Remy hastily leads his clan to raid the restaurant's pantry for food. Linguini arrives mid-raid to apologize, but upon discovering the raid, furiously drives all the rats out. Remy included. What do you think about the chase scene around Paris? I really enjoyed watching Remy running. The, it it looked great, and and the papers in his uh, in his mouth as well. Loved it. Yeah, I love when he he jumps off something and the wind picks it up, kind of carries it off. Yeah, great animation all the way around. Pixar solid. And the uh, the other thing that I really uh, enjoyed as well uh, was the kiss that uh, Colette and uh, Linguini have with each other. It's a rare opportunity to be able to see two people that have that moment where the fireworks happen, and I felt like they did a nice job of capturing that. So Remy goes in for the kiss completely unaware that that's what he was being told to do. That was not his intention, and certainly Colette wanted nothing to do with it. And then 
the sparks happen between the two of them, and then we watch uh, Linguini succumb to the moment, and then we see Colette succumb to the moment. And I feel like we don't get to see that very often in movies where that moment, that chemistry actually ignites. And that is just a little moment that I really enjoyed in the movie. Do you feel like that was foreshadowed by the earlier scene when Remy was running towards Gusto's? He was going through the sewer, coming up you know, out of the sewer, and he's running past, and he looks down, and he sees a woman holding a gun on a man, and all of a sudden they embrace. They go into a straight embrace, so this passion ignites. Later on, we see Colette holding bear mace, about ready to mace Linguini. Linguini jumps towards her because Remy forces. They start kissing passionately. Do you think that's kind of was a foreshadowing or kind of connected there? Uh, I got to be honest with you. I didn't even think about it. Mm. I, I didn't either. It almost seemed like the same scene was kind of replaying itself. Oh, maybe. I think if I ever watched it again or when I watch it, because I'm sure I'll watch it again. Uh, I'll have to look for that. Yeah. Interesting. As far as the kiss, uh, you know, I, I look at it as uh, Remy didn't know what to do. Yep. And this was after that uh, Lunguini woke up. Or was, he passed out because he had been working all night trying to clean something. Because he, he was drunk because of Skinner. Oh, he, that's was hung, right. he, he was hung over. Right. He was hung over and Remy <laughs> saves his ass. What I don't understand is how come... Do you remember the moment with the sunglasses when he, Colette's trying to talk to him? It, yeah. <laughs> I love the, the looks that he gave Colette. Mm, yeah. I, how, how come he doesn't wake up? He's got <laughs> a rat no. pulling on his fucking hair. And he, and he doesn't. It's written that way. Yeah, well, it took me out of it, and I thought it was fucking dumb. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the kiss, I thought, you know, was, you know. I, to me, it made as much sense as Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt kissing in Edge of Tomorrow. Mm. Sometimes it just happens. It just felt very French, very passionate. You know, they're very passionate uh, people, I, and they just, boom, they embrace. Even when they're fighting, they then embrace. I think that, you know, Linguini through no fault of his own apparently because of remy came on a little strong yeah. uh, luckily for him colette had the same kind of inkling i kind of would know. like to see her mace him just that's what that, <laughs> that would have been a very pixar move for sure i i yeah i would have liked that too that, that would have been good happened. you know it was on the drawing room table yeah for sure <laughs> she maces him that would have been good and so now we get anton ego uh the famous reviewer great character Mm-hmm. Character. Awesome I, character. It, one would might even think he could be a villain as well because he certainly comes off that way. He certainly comes off as not a fan of Gusto, the chef, and certainly not a fan of the restaurant. Yeah, when when he reads the uh, the the scathing review, oh my gosh, yeah, just totally, totally ruthless, cold, and and, and all of his little mannerisms and and the shadowing that they gave his face and. Mm-hmm. And how he looms over, and 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 his uh, his aristocratic nature, and his, uh, his his cold voice. Yeah, and the fact that you know his whole office, or where they introduce him, really is everything's a shadow of a coffin, or it looks like a coffin. His typewriter looks like a skull. Do you know why his typewriter looked like a skull? Well, because he's a vampire. No, because he writes killer reviews. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I, could, I could see him being a vampire, too. Yeah, it, in the beginning, they make this character seem like he really enjoys killing restaurants. He really enjoys, you know, sh- you know R- right. writing the, the horrible reviews. Being the Grim Reaper. That shuts things down. That's what it is. And, he looks like the Grim Reaper. Yeah, well, and he has well no put. blood in his face. His face is all yeah. white because he just... He just enjoys ending things. He doesn't, you know, doesn't believe there's anything good out there. You know, for the longest time, I thought that was Patrick Stewart. I don't know why, but I could see Patrick Stewart. But then there were times when he was talking and I'm thinking, that's not Patrick Stewart. And then I find out it's Peter O'Toole. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 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 Once you know it's Peter O'Toole. You can not not see it. Right. You can not hear it. Yeah, for sure. The next day, Remy is captured by Skinner but is promptly freed by his dad and his brother. Linguini reconciles with Remy and reveals the truth to his staff, who, feeling disappointed and betrayed, all walk out. However, after being reminded of Gusto's motto, Colette returns to help. Impressed by Remy's determination, his dad and the rest of the clan offer to help and cook under Remy's direction while Linguini waits tables. When Skinner and the health inspector attempt to interfere, they are both bounded and gagged. 
Remy creates a variation of ratatouille, which reminds Ego of his mother's cooking. Delighted with the dish, Ego asks to meet the chef, but is told he must wait until the restaurant is completely empty. Upon being introduced to Remy, Ego is stunned. He writes a glowing review that states that he has come to understand Gusto's motto and that Remy is nothing less than the finest chef in France. Remy and Linguini, after their little fight, reunite and Ego's coming to town and, you know, the stakes are pretty high. This is what it's all about. Linguini even has a dream that Anton wants to eat his heart. He did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a dream sequence in which he panics. This is after Remy has left him. He panics and he goes out and says, what would you like to order? And he goes, how about your heart? And then he wakes up with a start at the desk in the office. So it just shows the panic he's having. And Did I even watch fear. this fucking film? No, I'm just kidding. So they reunite and then, you know, he comes clean. Linguini comes clean with everybody and says, you know, gives Remy his props because he feels bad for taking them from him. The great thing about fucking this rat. is, and they didn't, you didn't really touch on this, but his dad's there to hear it. And his dad's theory that all humans are bad when he hears Linguini stand up for Remy and give Remy the credit, that changes his whole opinion. Right, because they're all they see Remy and they're all going to kill him, and he's and Remy stands there and he's going to take it. Yeah, he's going to fucking take it like a fucking rat. That's weird. No, they rats and, run. <laughs> That's not like a rat. Rat rats run. Again, he's an animated rat, so we're okay. And then Remy or uh, Linguini comes to his rescue, which was a cool moment. And you're right. The dad saw it, and he 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 changed his mind on how he views humans. And when all the humans walked out on him, who had the humans back? The rats and the clan and that sense of family and belonging. And so they come in, and one of my favorite scenes uh, is when they're getting ready to cook, and they have to oh the production know, line of stuff yeah and when they're in the dishwasher yeah lo- i love that group of going through the dishwasher yeah. and then and then after they're out of the dishwasher then remy assigns them to different areas in the kitchen you saucier you on the grill did you catch that he told them all to walk on their two legs not four legs because they had to keep their paws clean yeah yeah which is funny because they're still full of bacteria and disease and the plague yeah and you can't get that off with just water Especially a dishwasher, right? Yeah. Although, cute, cute concept, and it's funny. And the dishwasher probably would have been so hot, he could have served the rats because they would have been cooked. Okay, now you're getting a little dark there, John. A little dark, a little dark. Uh, so he goes, and they, they, have, they have to figure out what to serve Ego because now he's there. And I love the perspective speech that he gives to Mustafa. The, I would like a little bit of perspective. But since there's no perspective in this town, how about you just serve me your best and then I will serve the perspective. And he tells him, uh, tells, go tell the chef, hit me with with your your best best shot. shot. I know. I I was waiting for like, they should have played like Pat Benatar in the background. No, because that's so French. Wow, you were all about ruining the moments in this movie, aren't you? You don't like Pat Benatar? You just don't like happy moments. Not in, in this moment. Oh, okay. Remy decides he wants to serve ratatouille. And Colette's like, are you fucking sure this is a peasant dish? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And so they do it. They do it up. And my favorite scene in this film, hands down, is when they serve it to Ego and he takes a bite. And then that moment where he snaps right back to his childhood. Fantastic. It's such a great moment. And what, why I goosebumps think, yeah and uh years ago i was in anaheim and i used to work at shakey's remember shakey's pizza mm-hmm. oh yeah i love that place right so uh there was a shakey's in anaheim and they had closed here long ass time ago so it'd been a long time since i had fucking shakey's uh, we got off work i walked to shakey's i got the pizza that i always got got back to my hotel room and I swear to God, that first bite was just like Ratatouille and it took me back all the way to my childhood. It was, it was pretty cool. And that's why I love that. that, That's why I love that scene. The great thing about that scene too, is the details again, that Pixar puts in, you know, here's this little boy at a doorway. He's got skin knees. He's obviously had a bad day. His mom brings him in and makes him his favorite dish. Yeah. This Ratatouille. The good and, old days. And then you flash back to Anton 
you know, in the present. And did you notice the color all of a sudden come into his face? Yeah, I did notice that. That he was no longer this pale ghost-like character, you know, this death, but now life has come back into him. Uh, do you know why? I'm going to tell you why. Why? Because it was made with love. And again, love always wins. Remy loves what he does. He loves to cook. He loves to express himself. He loves all of that shit. I thought so, he'd just give him the plague. Well, and, and that's what we get to see well, so maybe. many. Maybe. That's what we get to see so many times in these moments during the kitchen when we hear about all of the nuances of food, especially like when Colette, she's talking about the food, that moment about, you know, knowing how the bread is good when you hear it, that crackle of the bread. And, and Remy's... Uh, facial expressions as he uh, is sampling the scents and the little tastes. The first time he eats that little piece of cheese and we get the little fireworks and then we get the strawberry and then the little more fireworks and then the strawberry and the cheese together. The passion for food in this movie is rarely portrayed as strongly and as vibrantly as hardly any other movie. This movie just embraces these moments of enjoying the passion for food and the and the excitement of tasting good food definitely a food movie well an alternate viewpoint of that too is that when you contract the bubonic plague you do have hallucinations and get hot flashes well they're all dead they all catch the bubonic plague so maybe that's what happened to andrew is he's having a hallucination yeah which is why the rats eventually take over the earth and then at some point the cars become cars and run over all of the rats yeah, the artificial and, intelligence. right and then the humans are like what the fuck so they jump on the big and by and large uh spaceship and they take off in wally mm-hmm. biggity bang um so yeah and then you know uh, ego wants to meet the chef and they're like okay fuck it let's do it but uh i like how colette comes out like if you want to meet him you got to wait till everyone's gone and uh it's such a simple line but egos so be it just very, you know, very ego. And he waits there patiently and you can see him playing with his glass and time passes. And then he comes out and he meets Remy and, you know, Remy gives us a voiceover of how the meeting went. It was only, he says, uh, he, ego only asked me a few questions, stood up, thanked us for the meal and walked out. And I thought that was kind of cool. I was thinking too, if Remy had cooked him any other meal, anything else that didn't flash him back to his childhood, would Anton have accepted that the rat cooked it? I don't think so. I think he would have shut down the restaurant immediately and wrote a bad review. Well, he wouldn't He wouldn't have been capable of shutting down the restaurant. It was the health inspector well, I'm saying in he, the refrigerator that... You're saying by his review would have... His review would have yeah. shut it down. In conjunction with the health inspector in the refrigerator. Yeah. Bound <laughs> and, and gagged. And Skinner. God, wasn't that funny to see how organized the rats were? Oh they my were gosh! Do that. Don't let that guy leave. And then he comes back and they're carrying him. Uh, the poor guy was just doing his job. I know, I know. So the poor guy. The, the bottle of wine that Anton asks for with the "Hit me with your best shot," I guess, uh, is probably estimated to be around a four thousand dollar bottle of wine. He's ego. He can afford it. I am. Yeah, details, that, man, that's, details. That's why sometimes I wish I was a food inspector. Or not a food, a, a food critic. Yeah. A foodie? No, a foodie. No, you're not a foodie, a food critic. But yeah, the, uh, the, 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 the summary that Remy gives, how do you feel about um, voiceovers and storylines? These happen every once in a while, where the, uh, the summarization of what's happening in the story is done with a voiceover. I, I have to say, for me, that in an animation movie or an animated movie, it's, uh, voiceovers don't bother me whatsoever because it's already, and I hate to say this, it's already not real, so it can be whatever it wants to be. And, and that is truly the beauty of an animated movie because sometimes you just want that, and there's so many great animated films out there. So for me, a, a voiceover or a narrator in an animated movie doesn't bother me at all. In a live-action movie... It depends on the story and it depends on what the narrator tells me. And I'll know that as soon as I hear it for the first time, right? If it's something like uh, Lebowski, I'll do That was good. I like the narration to open it up. Uh, I'm trying to think of one that, that doesn't, doesn't really need to be there. I'm sure they're out there, but yeah, as, as far as voiceovers, uh, Blade Runner is a good example. There's two, several versions of Blade Runner out one with narrations, one without. And a lot of people say the ones without, is the better versions of Blade Runner. You know, there's five cuts of Blade Runner and you can ask five different people and they will all tell you five different 
versions of that film is the best. Uh, I think it was you and I, Professor, Professor, we watched Blade Runner not too long ago here. I think we watched the final cut, which mm-hmm. was supposed to be Ridley Scott's, you know, ultimate vision. And I mm-hmm. got to tell you, man, I fell asleep and it was fucking depressing. <laughs> so Every, you know. everybody that I have talked to that talks about how the director's cut or all of those versions or the final cut, they that they all think that that's the superior, better one. Mm-hmm. Everybody that I've talked to, I have asked, have you seen the theatrical release with the dialogue in it? And everybody has said no. And then I tell them that they should shut the fuck up because they don't know what they're talking about. So as, as for you, the theatrical cut is the best? For me, I have little tidbits of story that are there only because of Harrison Ford's voiceover that are not a part of the story otherwise. In the theatrical cut? Yes. Okay, gotcha. I thought you were going to throw in your line that opinions are like assholes. Well, when it comes to movie opinions, they are. Opinions are like assholes. Everyone has them and everyone stinks, except for mine. I, 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 I'd be interested to go back in, because we watched the final cut, I'd be interested to go back and actually watch the theatrical version one time. Sometime. So. Remy's voiceover doesn't bother me at all. I, I, I think that it adds very well to the story and it helps to propel, move the story along so we don't have to be shown. For sure. Well, I like Absolutely. my favorite narration. There's what, three narrators in this movie. And my favorite narration is at the end with Antoine, Anton when he reads his review. Oh, sure. I, I, thought, I get that. I thought that whole review really hit home about, you know, talking about how not everyone can be a great artist. But a great artist can come from anywhere. And I thought that uh, that's just a great point to the movie. That was just a, you know, really hit home that, you know, not everybody can be a great cook, but a great cook can come from anywhere. Sure. And the fact that he still calls Remy the greatest cook in France. Chef. Greatest chef in France. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know why? Why? Because anyone can cook, even Linguini. Mm, But he doesn't. By choice. But someone's got to wait the fucking tables and he was on those roller skates like a pimp he is a player on those roller skates right that was pretty cool i love the little shots of him running around refilling glasses taking us I've, I've been a waiter and had i been able to wear roller skates would have been a fucking disaster the funniest thing Boy. about that character and i thought the way they made laguini alfredo laguini was just amazing was just terrific in that he is klutzy he is you know, all over the place. He keeps getting fired from jobs. Um, yet, you get him drunk, he becomes more sophisticated. You put him in roller skates, he's a superstar. He's graceful. So it's just so funny. He's so opposite. And the the thing that, you know, makes me laugh about that is I've, I'm, I've done scuba diving. And I've been certified advanced scuba diving. And one of the tests they do is they want to show you what it's like to be narked. And are you familiar with the term narked? No. Narked is when you go down to a certain depth in the ocean or in water, um, your brain basically starts to make it feel like you're drunk. And the farther you go and the longer you spend down there, the more drunk you feel and you get uncoordinated. So in the advanced training, they want to train you you to recognize when you're feeling narked. So my instructor uh, would have us do a padlock up on top on the boat. And then he have you go down to about 120 feet and do the same padlock to show you that you're drunk and you're not capable of doing it anymore. I got better. I got faster at the padlock. Whilst being drunk down at the narc. Yes, while I was being narked. <laughs> you're being narked. So, Wait, so your pod would be better if we were recording 120 feet underwater? Yeah, or I was drunk. <laughs> yeah. Get the fucking tank. We're going submerged. We're getting submerged. Or just get me some liquor and I'm good. Oh, well, I'm shocked you guys don't drink anyway. Uh, professor usually this. has a beer in front of him. Yeah, well, I mean, after a long, hard day, who doesn't want one? This is a rare Pixar movie that has drinking in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you're in France, man. When in Rome. Did you hear that they wanted to release via Costco their own bottle of wine or representative of the movie? Except they thought that people would think it's a kid's drink well you would think that people are smarter than that but Mm, what are you gonna do they like this movie skinner and the health inspector are eventually released and the restaurant is shut down due to health concerns causing ego to lose his job and credibility as a critic 
However, he frequently visits a popular new small bistro, La Ratatouille, operated by Remy, Linguini, and Colette as the rat colony settles into their new home in the attic. End movie. We should also say that Ego is actually part owner of this. He's an, an investor. He's an investor, investor of this restaurant, yeah. I thought that was a great scene. You know, he, he does much. change. He, he has a hat on now. He's around lots of people. It's a nice atmosphere. Care, Rat and carefree, human living together. Happy. Yeah. Unlike, I'm, you know, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. I am surprised that, you know, with the Laguini's reputation being destroyed when people got out, you know, because they had to let the health inspector go and Skinner go. Of course, nobody pressed any charges, it seems like. But wouldn't his cool. reputation be destroyed in any restaurant he opens up that's connected to him? Until they eat the food. Yeah. Would you go eat there? Sure. If you knew a guy was shut down for letting a rat cook? You know, there are restaurants in Los Angeles that don't care about what they're rated at, and people will still go eat at those restaurants because they like the food, regardless of what the health inspectors claims. And to your question, am I animated? I don't know. Are you? Well, no. If, 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 if I was going to have a rat cook for me, Am I animated or am I real life? I'm going to say real life. Well, first of all, rats can't cook. Anybody so can cook. They just choose not to. No, rats can't. Rats aren't anybody. They're vermin. But they choose not to. Well, maybe. And that's probably good for us. Why? Because we'd be eating the plague. So I really appreciated the way the movie ended with uh, the reconciliation with uh, Remy and his dad. Colette sticking with Linguini and... and uh, Remy is able to fulfill his heart's desire of being a chef. Yeah. A happy ending for all. I, I liked uh, when uh, Remy is off break and he runs back into the kitchen, how they've put little ladders and little scaffolding everywhere for him to get up. And mm-hmm. I thought that was sweet. And a little restaurant up in the attic for the, for the rats, the rat pack. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, uh, the movie has so many de- delightful little elements to it. And I attribute this to Brad Bird, him as a director. He he is so good at pushing for what he wants. There is a quote that he had that is, I think, the essence of what makes his movie so well. He says, if you think about what you're doing logically, you're, you're trying to invent what an audience you will likely never meet will enjoy two years from now but you can't think of it that way you have to think about it in terms of what do i want to see what delights me and so he was always going back to his animators oh this is great this is perfect i love it but if you could do just one more little teensy thing that would be great and then he'd see it again oh that's perfect thank you but you know could you work on the eyebrows just a little just the the eyebrows a little bit more and so he was always constantly nudging and pushing, and that is his voice listening to him, what would make him happy. And I think that it really pays off as we continue to talk about how this movie shows in its details. Yeah, and I, th- I think if, if you're a good director and you can tell good stories, you, you get the best out of the performance, whether animated or live action, you get the best performance that you can get. And I was thinking about if I was directing an animated movie, I would have to go to the animators, tell them what I'd want, and then I'd have to wait for it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then you come back and do it. And I'm sure a lot of it is real time too, but it would be such a different experience from directing a animated movie versus a live action. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had an idea for an animated movie once. We can talk about that later. So... Are we ready to rate this? I think we're ready to rate this. All right. Uh, Your movie, Professor, you're up, buddy. Fine. I think that this is a classic Pixar movie. And what I mean by that is it delivers the goods. It delivers on the emotional heartstrings. It delivers on the cinematography. It delivers on the character development. And I feel that this is one of... Pixar's best movies. Since they've had so many movies, I certainly wouldn't want to rate it. And just out of curiosity, oh so quickly, what's your least rated Pixar movie? Do you have one? Yeah. John, do you have a least rated Pixar movie? There's a list. One of them's got to be at the bottom. That's actually hard to pick because they all are really good. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of Bugs Life, I think. I think that's where I might go to uh, a Bugs Life or tell you the truth, I wasn't a huge fan of Wally. 
Really? Yeah. I'm not, I, mean, I love the character of Wally, but the story was a little hard to... There's a lot of long, boring pauses in that movie. Mm. Yeah, I would probably say Wally or Bugs. You know what? I'm going to say Wally. But any Pixar movie, you're always blown by, blown away by the animation and about the, the time and effort they put in each movie. Absolutely. They're, um, they never refer to a movie as done. They refer to it as being time to move on. There's always more that you can do. There's always things that you can enhance or refine, but you can't do that forever. It's just time to move on. So back to the movie. I think that for me, I really enjoy this movie a lot. There are lots of scenes that I enjoy. Anton Ego, delightful character, written so well. Remy's dad. I, I really I really appreciated his uh, his advice and the way he talked to Remy, not talking down to him, but, you know, trying to have him see the perspective of the world as it is. Colette loved her. Uh, Skinner, every time he was on the screen, I loved all the little things about Skinner, you know, watching, watching him walk around the, you know, him walking. He's the only one that seemed to have his head going up and down each time he walked. And it was, you know, the plume of, of the top of of his uh, what 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 is that called the, the hat the beret no the trope or what are they oh called? the toque the toque thank the toque. you yeah and and I loved watching him having his little stool every time he'd whip out his little stool and ding 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 up yeah. to, to the stool hilarious character and there's there's nothing poor to be said about Remy or Linguini fantastic I think I would go four point five. So if this movie was on compared to a lot of other movies, you would watch it just about every time? There's too many things that I'd want to sit and watch. Okay. The movie doesn't really drag anywhere. So I'm going to say yes. You would sit and watch it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, 4.5. Uh, do you want to go next? No, but I will. Okay, Don, it's all you. All right. So for this film, Ratatouille is a is a classic Pixar movie. And, you know, Pixar just turns out hit after hit after hit. I would, this probably wouldn't be in my top five. I don't know if this would be in my top 10, but it, I do like this film. Uh, it, you're right. It, it does move along and the story's good. And all things considered, I think that this film has a lot of good messages and the animation is superb and it's a fun watch. But if it's on TV and I'm, if I'm being completely honest, I probably wouldn't stop on it. If there, I mean, if there was nothing else on, I'd go to it. Or if Elise was sitting with me, I'd probably have to stop on it. But, you know, uh, because it is Pixar and because of the writing and the voice talent and just the film itself, I mean, that's got to that's got to count for something because it, it did win the Academy Award for Best Animation, which most Pixar films do. So that's got to be that's got to be thrown into my into my thinking of rating this film. So for me. I'm going to give Ratatouille a solid three. Would you like me to go? No, I don't want to hear your opinion. Well, I am an asshole. <laughs> You're supposed to say, tough shit, I'm going to give it to you anyway. Oh, fuck that guy. There you go. Fire away. Okay, so any Pixar movie, like I said, they just keep getting better and better in the design, in the elements, in what they include. And you can watch any Pixar movie a hundred times and still catch something new, some little hidden element, some hidden Mickey, some, you know, little joke that you didn't get. Like, I don't think I ever got before. Laguini's getting himself familiar with the vegetables. And then Skinner says to him, you can get a little too familiar with vegetables. I don't think I ever caught that adult joke before. Uh, I I don't get it. What does it mean? Well, I don't, I don't think we're adult enough to understand. (laughs) cucumber i'm still fucking i'm thinking skinner's a little too familiar with the vegetables is what he was saying (laughs) but anyway fantastically done the details they put into it the time they take to make these movies the story was good when you asked earlier professor about what i would say would be my bottom movies unfortunately you know like I, i was actually debating between a bug's life and this movie only because this movie just doesn't really speak to me you know well it's not one of my favorites of all the Pixar movies. Like you were saying, uh, Don, that there's a lot of movies I would put ahead of it. If I had a whole list of movies I could watch, if I'm on Disney Plus and trying to pick a Pixar movie, I'm going to pick a lot of other movies before I pick this one. So because of that, 
I'm afraid I'm going to have to give it a 2.0. And the reason why I give it a 2.0, I'd actually give it a lower score because I'm being honest. I, I just wouldn't watch this movie. Sure. But the reason I give it a 2.0 is because you can go back and watch this movie and see new things. That you know, I would I would actually go back just to see if I could catch some of the things I've read about. I love Pat Oswald and just about anything he's ever been in. Anyway, again, 2.0 for me. All right, there you have it. Uh, we are now at the point of our podcast where we are going to select our next film. So whose turn is it to pick this time, Don? Uh, who picked Ratatouille? I did. Who picked Little Miss Sunshine? I think I picked Little Miss Sunshine. So I guess I'll go. Okay. <laughs> the genre is action-adventure. Nice. And the movie is Solo, A Star Wars Story. I don't know how I feel about that. Which one? Oh, so it was you, you It was not me. Yes, it was. So that's two in a row for Professor. Or wait, who had Little Miss Sunshine? He did. That was Little Miss Sunshine. So that's three for the Professor. You got two left, brother. No, three Mm. left. You're halfway done. Let me ask your honest uh, reasoning for this. Did you pick it because you liked the movie? Or did you pick it because you know Dawn does not like the movie? Neither one of those reasons. Ha ha ha, motherfucker. Why'd you pick it? I picked it because I think of it as a flawed movie in the Star Wars universe that deserves critiquing for the sake of, are we being too harsh? Does it deserve a break? Or how do we feel about it being part of the Star Wars universe? Are you excited about this one, Don? Uh, You know, first of all, I liked Solo. Oh, did you? Yeah. I liked it more than I thought I would. So More than you wanted to? No, I wanted to love it. Han Solo is my favorite Star Wars character, period. More than Lando? Okay, again, period. Okay. So, and don't get me wrong, Lando is Lando, and he's a bad motherfucker. And in this one, you can see it, and you can see it evolve, and you can see it. Donald Glover just does such a fucking magnificent job as Lando. So there's a lot about this movie I like, and there's a lot about this movie I don't like. Like you, Professor, I've kind of had a hankering to watch this film, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago or, or whatever, but I never got the chance. So I'm excited to check it out. This will be the first in the Star Wars series that we've watched and reviewed. Yeah, go figure. I think this is a good starting point. Eh, it's okay. <laughs> it needs more charger. Uh, uh, Me one, so excited. Uh, I was talking to my buddy, uh, one of our faithful listeners the other day, and he was listening to Edge of Tomorrow, and he said something about uh, how I said that Phantom Menace was okay. So we got into this big discussion. About, <laughs> he says, he says it's on record that you said the Phantom Menace was okay, and so I felt like I had to explain myself. But... <clears throat> Yeah, Phantom Menace. I feel like next week you're going to have a lot of explaining to do. Yeah, probably. Solo, a Star Wars story. All right, so I think that's going to wrap it up for this evening. Does anybody want to say anything? Well, if you're looking to find us, we are actually on the web at www.3guysataflick.com. We have a Facebook page. We have a Twitter if you want to follow us there, as well as we have our podcast hosted on all popular podcast hosting sites. So go out and check us out. Give us five stars if you'd be so kind. It really helps us out. And It, it would also help uh, building up our membership. So go ahead and subscribe to them. They're free. All right, for Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening. You didn't want to go with the French music at the end? It's not our ending theme. Well, I want you to draw me like a French girl, Jack. Uh, creepy. Draw me like a French girl, Jack. Keeping with our French theme. How could it be popular?